Amen. How exciting. Isn't it great to know God's working all around the world? It's amazing. Sure, I'll go to Montana, she says. Finds herself in Mexico, Ukraine, who knows where next. Ah, man, God is awesome. Well, uh, let's get into the Word. You can open up your Bible or your church app or both to Ephesians 5. Uh, We are in our series right now is our reset series. It's our theme for the year. Really asking God, God, is there things in my life that need to be reset? Are there things in my life that I need to uh, take a look at and figure out if I need to make adjustments to? Or maybe I just need to start from scratch in this area of my life. And so we've been looking through some different things. Uh, So far we've talked about resetting your religion resetting your outlook, and this morning I'm going to talk to you about resetting your priorities. And uh, in this message, I, I believe we'll have homework to it. I don't usually assign homework, but this message is more of a homework assignment type of message um, because I think it's very practical in our lives. Did you know that God cares about the practical as much as the spiritual? Oh, did you know that the practical also is spiritual? So, so we try to separate these worlds, right? But it's all, it's all together. And so as we reset our priorities and take a look at what are the things that we've determined are most important in our lives, and really uh, the bigger question is why. Why have we determined that those things are important? You know, as a pastor, uh, I have an opportunity to, to walk with people in all different stages of life, and I've had the opportunity to sit with people uh, who have lived a very long life and are in their very last days and have conversations uh, as they reflect back on their lives. And, uh, and there's a lot of things that people reflect on. And uh, I just want to share a few things that I've never heard somebody say before uh, in, in these conversations. And so they've never said, um, I wish I'd spent more time at work. I've never heard someone say that. Uh, I've never heard somebody say, uh, there was this show on Netflix that I missed and I regret never watching it. I don't, I've never heard them say that. Um, I've never heard someone say, uh, I wish I had done more home projects. Can I get an amen to that? And uh, I've definitely never heard someone say they wish they would have made it to a higher level on Candy Crush. Those are things that I just don't hear people say. What they say is, I look back at my life and I wish I would have, and they, they, they think about the things that were most important to them. And that, that they look back and sometimes people have regrets. I wish I would have spent more time with family. I wish I would have uh, done more for the Lord or whatever it happens to be. These are the big things in life. And yet it's the little things in life so often that kind of steal our time. Have you discovered that? There's lots of little things that steal your time. Uh, life is demanding. Has anyone discovered this? Have you discovered life is demanding? Those of you who graduated from high school in the last couple of years went, wait a minute. <laughs> It's not what it was supposed to be. This is hard. Like, this is life. It's very demanding. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, you wish you could clone yourself because you wish you could be at two places at once. You wish there's just so much to do. There's just so much to do and there's so little time to do it. You've dreamt of, the, of like having a 25-hour day instead of a 24-hour day. Uh, you know, these types of things. Like I just, I'm running out of time. And, and it seems like there's so often more things to do than the day is long. Am I alone in this? Do you guys just chilling out and is everything's great? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like there's more, you get to the end of the month and there's more month than money left, right? There's, there's more demands than resources or more kids than parents. Shout out to the big families in the room. And you just go, I don't know, I just can't hold this all together because life pulls at us. Life pulls at us all the time. And what happens is we get into these places and we say things 
And uh, I think it was my wife that pointed this out to me, a habit that I had in my life where I would say things like, well, it's just a busy season. Just, just this season's busy. Or, or I'm just going to work overtime for a little while. Or, you know, these demands, they're just here now, but they'll change. This too will pass, except it doesn't, and it won't. Because that is life, and the only thing that can change in the midst of it is our priorities and how we determine to walk out our days, how we determine to live our lives, and what is going to get our attention, what is our priority. So God's Word actually shows us this, and I love this about God's Word because there is not an area of your life that cannot be guided by the Word of God. Amen? This is the source right here because what happens is when, just by the way, this is what happens. You read God's Word and you go, these are words on the pages. And there's words in here like the and are and he and church and all these things. But what happens is you begin to read the Word of God and the author, the Holy Spirit, begins to come alive and begins to reveal the Scripture to you and begins to, to, to cause the Word of God to come into work in your life today. Isn't that incredible? Am I the only one that's discovered this? Isn't this awesome? Because you read God's word and you say, this actually, this actually is like alive to me today. And so God's word addresses a very practical area of our lives. How do you have priorities? What does that look like? And so Ephesians chapter 5, we'll go to verse 15. And we're going to look at just three verses this morning. And, uh, and, and this will, there's, there's not a lot here. This won't be, be long. We're just going to take a look. And I think, and then we walk out of here and say, okay, God, how do I do this? It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Simple. Simple. Look carefully how you walk. Make the best use of time. Because the days are evil. Are they? Have you discovered? Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's take a look at what this is. And I believe there's just three simple things here that we, that we look at. And I'm going to start with the last verse. The last verse, because it's actually the most important. He kind of throws it in here as a reminder. Uh, and, it, and it says here, don't be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. And so the first thing I, I think we've got to do before we even look at our priorities, before we figure out how our life is ordered, is we need to find God's will. And that's what he, what he says. You've got to understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you know what God's will is for your life? Is that a big question? What is God's will for my life? What does God have for my life? Maybe, maybe you're waiting for like the heavens to open up, and you're, you're waiting for like God to hand you two stone tablets and say, this is it. He did that once. <laughs> Moses came down the mountain. They were worshiping a calf made out of gold. And he broke them. He was like, oh, this is frustrating. And then he had to go up and get another copy. Uh, <laughs> God invented Xerox. So, uh, so like, that's how we wish it would be. Or that the heavens would open and God would say, this is what I have for your life. But you can know the will of God for your life. You really can know the will of God. And I believe that there's, there's really two different aspects of the will of God. And the easiest one is the general will of God. See, if you want to know in the, the will of God, you've got to be in the Word of God. If you want to know His will, you've got to be in His Word. The, the, when, when you say, well, what is God's will for my life? Well, what does His Word say? Well, I don't know if I should live my life this way. I don't know if in my business it's okay to cut corners here. Or, I don't know, like... Do I really have to pay taxes? I, 
if you want to know the will of God, look in the Word of God. Well, I know, but, you know, my husband wasn't being very nice to me, so do I really, do I really have to be nice to him? Or do I, I don't know. He didn't like my outfit, so I'm out of here. Like, what's the will of God? What does the Word of God say? Right? And so that's the, 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 the general will of God. Then there's the specific will of God, which I believe are things that God has spoken to you. What has God laid on your heart? What's he saying to you? Where do you feel God is leading you? And I'm telling you what, if one more person leaves to Montana or Idaho or Texas, I'm going to lose my mind. But it is the will of God to go and start marriage and family ministry in Lakeside, Montana. I'm just kidding. If God calls you, then, then I'm not going to stand in your way. But what is it? You're moving to Mexico. <laughs> you see, finding God's will is really about establishing vision for your life. What is, what, is God's, what is the vision for your life? God doesn't call you to wander aimlessly looking for the meaning of life, and that's what our world does. The world wants to know what is the meaning of life. And what happens is the world just wanders aimlessly going, I just don't know what to do. I don't know where my life is going. I just kind of go whatever happens, happens. But notice that finding God's will in Scripture here is the opposite of foolishness. Do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. See, the opposite of having vision for your life, allowing God to speak vision into your life, is foolishness. And so, as Christians, we need to partner with God and we need to understand vision for our life and begin to establish vision. And God will lead us and speak to us, and he will partner with us to give us vision for our life. We don't have to just sit and say, you know, God, I'm going to be here on the couch. I've got my red vines. I've got my, I've got my DVD collection, if you still have that, or maybe it's Netflix. And you just let me know when you have a vision. God would say, no, you, you partner with me for the vision for your life. You begin to seek me. You get into my word. You begin to ask me, do you have a vision for your life, church? Do you have a vision? And I'll, I'm sure we've, Bethany and I have shared this story before. I'll share it real quickly. Uh, I was at a pastor's conference where our district pastor's wife asked the pastors in the room, pastors, you got a vision for your church. You have a vision statement. You have, you know, vision. And we were like, yeah, we got one, you know. And they were like, you know, just raise your hand. And, and she's like, all right, keep your hand up if you have vision for your family. You have a vision statement for your family and you know just right what's our vision do we have a vision for our family i do now <laughs> thanks to her do you have a vision for your marriage what's your marriage about is it like i do i do okay we're married let's shake hands good luck hope this works like is there a vision what's your marriage doing like what is the what is the purpose of it do you have a vision for your ministry do you have a vision for your vocation you know, by the way, the vision for your vocation is not the paycheck, although the paycheck is helpful, is it not? You probably wouldn't go if there wasn't one. Like God, but did you know that God uses the paycheck to provide for your life, to give you provision? What is, wait a minute, hold on a second. Pro, did you hear that? Provision. You know what pro means? For. So you go to work, and you get a paycheck, and God will say, that, let, I'm going to make that provision for your life, so you're going to use the income that you have for the vision I have for your life. And so you go, and, but, but at that vocation, what do you do? What do you do? I don't know. David, do you talk about Jesus at work ever? Do, <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Because God's given you vision. 
I'm not just here to, to do this. I, I think you were fighting fires, right? And so I'm not just here to fight fires, right? I'm here to represent Jesus. So there's a vision. What is our vision? Proverbs 29:18 says, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is the one who keeps the law. To be unrestrained is to run wild. If without vision, that's what your life will do. It will run wild. And right now, that might feel like how your life is. It's just running wild. Like you're chasing it. It's, it's in charge, and you're just trying to track it down. And it runs wild without vision. But happy is the one who keeps the law. When this was written, it was the book of the law. It was the law that God given to Moses. Now it is, we'll, we'll say, it's the way of God. It is the Holy Spirit. It is God's word. It's the Bible. And so without vision, our life will just go wherever it goes. It will run wild, no direction, no purpose. And we've got to discover the way of God and the purposes of God in our life. We need vision. And that's a starting point for us as a Christian that we, if you don't have vision for your life, if you're just hoping to make it to the end, I would challenge you today to get into God's word and to begin to get into prayer and say, God, what is the vision you have for my life? If you are if you are single, then begin to process that with the Lord. Begin to get in His Word. If you're married, get together with your spouse and begin to talk and pray about, what, do we have a vision for our family? Do we have a vision for our marriage? What is our vision? And then he says, so then let's go back to verse 15. It says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Walk carefully. The second thing I want to look at, walk carefully. Pay attention to where you're going. Did you know that the road is narrow? Did you know that there are snares in life that get in our way? You see, when we walk carefully, what we're doing is we're establishing our steps. We're setting goals in our life. We actually have a goal that we're trying to achieve. We actually have a purpose and a goal. Because without goals in life, without goals to get you to a place, what happens is you fall into the traps of busyness, distraction, the tyranny of the urgent, and wasting time. Anyone else fall into those besides me sometimes? Like, I've literally lately had so many different things on my brain that I, I, when I come into work in the morning, I actually have to, like, give myself an hourly schedule, goals. This is what I want to accomplish in this block of time. Because what happens is, if I don't, is that everything demands my attention, and then I end up accomplishing almost nothing. Like, that's what happens in our life, is we don't have goals, and so the busyness of life just takes over. But the wise walk requires that you look where you're going. You decide where it is that I'm going to go. And this suggests that you actually have a destination. You're on a road to somewhere. You're going somewhere. And if you don't know where you're going, your priorities aren't going to get you anywhere. See, Proverbs 21.5 says that the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty oh, I'll just do whatever I feel like today. I'll just get up and just whatever the wind goes, I'm just gonna... No, but the plans of the diligent. I talk to... You know, I, I work with people in ministry. I've worked with people in ministry a long time. We have an awesome staff. I know other pastors and, you know, I'll talk to people about like what God's doing with their ministry and their... Yeah, it's good. Like, I'm just, you know, I show up and, and whatever God wants to do that, that day is great. And, and that's a... That's, by the way, that's good. Whatever God wants to do is good. And, and you, you start talking about the ministry. Yeah, I know. I mean, just got these 15 people here, and it just, it's, we're not, I, I don't know. God's good. He's meaning with us, but I don't know what to do next. And I ask a question, and I say, what's the strategy for your ministry? 
Like, what do you, what do you, where do you believe God's taking you? Where are you going? I don't know. I just want to be with him. Okay, but the question I'm asking you is, is, do you have a strategy to advance the kingdom of God? Are you going somewhere? Do you have something? Do you have a strategy to advance the mission of your family? Do you have a strategy? Do you have a plan in place? Any plan in place? Listen, I have lots of plans in place. But God and I have this thing, we have this relationship where, where, I, where I make plans and I, I, I talk to the Lord and I, I make a plan and, uh, and I've given God permission, although he doesn't need it. God, you, you can interrupt the plan anytime you want. Like, I know God, they came up with this plan, but if you want to change it at the last second, like, then you change it. And you notice that, you know, throughout the year, like, randomly at the last minute, like, well, I'm not going to preach this message today. I'm going to open my Bible and go somewhere else because I had a plan. It was what I felt like the Lord was leading. And then on Sunday morning, God says, hey, by the way, I have a different plan today. And I go, oh, sure, you know, okay, yes. So we, we make a plan. We establish our steps. We say, I want to go somewhere because if you don't set goals, the vision will remain an ideal rather than a reality. If you have a vision for your life and then you have no goals to accomplish that vision, then all it is is a dream and nothing more. And you can sit on that vision forever and ever and, say, and look back in your life and say, I wish I would have. I had this dream, or I guess the dream's dead. And we, we have these things that God's put on our heart, and we say, I'm going to do this, and then we don't get around to doing it. And we say, well, maybe later. But there's still a vision. And then we look back 20 years down the road in our life, and we look back and we say, I had this vision for my life, and I, I feel like it's, it's dead. But maybe the issue isn't that you heard God wrong. Maybe the issue is more that you never did anything to help the vision move forward to place a goal in place, to say, God, I'm going to walk carefully. I'm going to look where I'm going to go. I'm going to make a step and a plan to go forward. And so we make goals that align with our vision. And as when we close, I'm going to kind of show you how this might work. The third one is this in verse 16, making the best use of time because the days are evil. This phrase, use of time, can also be translated as buy up opportunities. So we've got to determine our priorities because if we, if we don't have priorities, what happens is missed opportunities. Anyone have missed opportunities in their life where you're like, oh, I missed that. Oh, man, that guy was talking to me and he was just going off of me and, man, I, I should have said this. I know you thought that. <laughs> That's not the missed opportunity I'm talking about. You look back and you go, shoot. I mean, I... I was talking to, to Don this morning. This is totally not spiritual, whatever, but it's all right. We're going to go there. Like, I was watching this player on the waiver wire, my fantasy football, right? And I, I was looking ahead at my bye weeks, and some of you are lost already, but just stick with me. And I'm like, I got to pick this guy up. And, um, and so I was like, yeah, I'm going to pick, this, but, but I, I need, I'm going to wait one more week and just make sure, right? And I didn't make it a priority. Darn you, Troy McLean, you beat me to him, right? I missed that opportunity. The guy's going scoring like crazy. It's driving me nuts now, right? It's not really a spiritual thing, but the reality is, is I, I had a plan, I had a goal, and I was like, I got an opportunity. I missed an opportunity, something dumb. It's just dumb. It's just fantasy football. It doesn't mean anything. There's no prize money. It's just fun. But, it, but if there's that missed opportunity, I look at my life and go, well, where am I doing that other places in my life? Like, am I missing opportunities in other places where I feel like God said to go here or where I have this opportunity? I go, well, I'll get around to that 
little bit later because I have all these demands right now that are grabbing my attention. I've got to determine my priorities. Here's what a priority is. It's something that is given attention before competing alternatives. It's something that is higher in importance or rank. I, I, I don't know about you, but I've got things in my life that are competing for my attention. Does anyone have anything competing for your attention? There are so many things in our life that are competing for our attention, but there's things, listen, this is something that is higher in rank. You've got things that you know in your heart are up here on level of importance, and things down here are pulling rank on the most important things. They're coming and they're interrupting. They're interrupting what you know is really important. They interrupt your time and, and God's called you to, to build a family. God's called you to build a friendship. God has called you to go and, and do a ministry and, and it's way up here and you know that it's on the top of the, the list of things that you should do but all the things down here, they keep creeping up and they keep taking away all of your time because in our lives we, ha- we know that this is important but we haven't done anything to make that a priority in our lives. And so we come to a message like this and we say, okay, God, I want to hit the reset button on my priorities. I want to hit the reset button on what, I've, what is important in my life. And maybe I need to hit the reset button on my priorities so that I can have some. See, if you are just allowing life and as it passes by to set all your priorities for you, you're going to get to the end and you're going to say, I, I missed opportunities. You're going to get to the end and say, man, I don't know what happened. You know, it's very cliche when you're raising kids. People say, oh, it goes by so fast. You know, and you're walking around, a baby on one hip, a toddler pulling at your leg at the other, and you're like, oh, yeah, right, it goes fast. You know, so it can't go fast enough today, right? When's bedtime? And then, and then boom, it does. And you go, man, did I, did I put priority on investing in that next generation? Did I leave a legacy? Did I place priorities on those things? That's why we're doing this class, this effective parenting class. Is, are we going to be equipped? Are we going to be equipped on what we believe is one of the most important priorities that you should have if you have children? should be raising them up in the way of the Lord. And so we get to decide what's most important. I want you to know that in your life. All the things that are pulling for your time, all the things that are competing, you get to decide what's most important. You get to decide that. Now consult with the Lord, please. But you get to decide. Did you know that? You get to decide what's most important. That when your boss tells you, this job is the most important thing in your life, you give to me first, everything else comes second. You get to decide that, not your boss. That's your decision. You get to decide what's most important in your life. You get to decide that. And, and, and you can decide that by where your mind is and where your thoughts are and how much time you give. And then you've got to make a decision on priorities. You set the course of your life. But I want to give you a life tip as we close out here, and that is this, is that prioritizing the kingdom of God makes everything else more effective. If when you in your life are setting priorities, and I hope this week you'll actually do this exercise, that if you would set the kingdom of God as your most important priority, everything else works better. Jesus told us this in Matthew 6, He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That Jesus would say, but make the kingdom the most important priority, and everything else will fall into place. When you make him your priority, 
Others will fall into place. We say these things like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I could pray more. I, I need my prayer. I, I don't know. I, I, I should go to church more. I should read my Bible more. All these things. When you make him your first priority, everything falls into place. It's amazing how it works. The concept of tithing, which is you give your first 10% to the Lord and you invest in the kingdom of God, is it maybe a scary one, but I've found in my life over and over and over and over again is when I first submit even my finances to his kingdom way and I put him first, everything else works. It just works. Can I explain how it works? No, I can't necessarily explain how it works, but it works when you make him your first priority. When you make him your first priority, suddenly everything becomes more effective. Your time becomes more productive. Your relationships become more life-giving. When you prioritize God, it gives direction to everything else. This happened to Solomon. You remember Solomon in Second Chronicles where the Lord came to him, he was about to be king, and, and he said, Solomon, what do you want? Now, any king would say, I want fame. I want to be the most powerful king. I want wealth. And what Solomon said is, God, I want wisdom to lead your people. What did he ask for? God, I need to be equipped to walk out the will of God for my life. That's all I want, God. I know this is your will for my life is to lead your people. And all I'm asking you, God, is to, to give me the wisdom to walk out your will for my life. And the Lord says, Solomon, because you asked for that, I will give you that, and I will give you everything else. It will all fall into place. You will not only have wisdom and knowledge, but because you sought me first, I will give you riches, I will give you fame, I will give you all of it, because you sought me first. That was God's will for his life. Now, riches and fame may not be God's will for your life, but I promise you everything will fall into place as you prioritize him. If you make God your first priority, your other priorities will come into focus. I promise you that if you would make God your first priority, other priorities will come into focus. But you've got to make him a priority. I just want to give you a practical example here as we close. I've heard Christians say, maybe you've heard Christians, have you ever heard a Christian say, I should read my Bible more? You ever heard that? I ask people, hey, how's your time with the Lord? Yeah, I should probably read my Bible more. I hear that a lot. And so let me, let me, what, what, they, what they do is what we do as Christians is we, we try and we, for a little while, we get a Bible reading plan and then we fizzle out and we get inconsistent. But here's a question I would ask you, and this is a weird question as a pastor to ask, why? Why should you read your Bible? <laughs> you didn't see that one coming from your pastor. Well, why should you read your Bible? You should read your Bible. Why are you saying that as a Christian? Why are you saying you should read your Bible more? Do you have a reason for that? Or is it just because, well, I mean, that's what Christians should do? Why should you read your Bible? Well, what if you started with vision? Let, let's get to a higher level. Let's start with vision. So a vision for my life would be, God's called me to be a godly husband, father, and friend who is a light to Jesus, light for Jesus to the world around me. That's it, vision. That's who God's called me to be, a godly husband, father, and friend who's a light for Jesus. That's God's vision for my life. Well, how am I going to do that? I'm not just going to think it into existence. Now, I've got to have goals in my life. Okay, what's some goal? Okay, I, I, need, I need an ongoing relationship with God that it produces growth in my life if I'm going to be that. Because if I don't have that, I can't be who God's called me to be. I can't walk out the will of God for my life. I, I, I have a goal in my life to be consistent in being an example of living for God both in the home and outside the home. 
to be authentic. That's a goal that I have for my life. I have a goal for my life to be a strong and godly leader in my marriage. And those things, I hope, will produce this calling that I believe God has for my life to be a godly husband, father, and friend who's a light for Jesus. Now, I have goals in my life. Oh, great, I have goals. Now I need to decide what my priorities are. You see how this is? I'm not letting all the urgent things in my life determine how I spend my life. So I have priorities now. Okay, so if I'm going to be that, if I'm going to have growth in my relationship with God, I need to commit to setting aside time in my life to be in His Word. And if I don't do that, then I'm going to have a hard time hitting that goal, which is going to make it harder to be the person who God's called me to be. And so I need to be in my Word. See, now I'm in my Word with conviction, not because I'm guilty, because I'm a Christian who's not doing enough. Now I have conviction, like if I don't get in my word, I can't, I can't do what God's calling me to do and be who God's calling me to be. I need to be in church regularly. I mean, bad example. I have to be in church regularly. But you need to be in church regularly, not because, well, church attendance is important. If I don't do it, then maybe I won't go to heaven this week. Come on. Because God's called you to be in a community where you can grow and you can share each other's burdens and you have an opportunity to practice being a light with other people who, quite frankly, it's easy to be a light around. Practice it here. What else can I do as a priority in my life? Oh, I know, I can pray for my wife on my way to work every day. I could do that. Well, I... If I, don't make, if I don't actually make that a priority, and by the way, it's okay to put these things on your calendar. God's not offended when you make appointments with him. Your wife's probably not offended if she looked at your calendar and she saw like pray for her on there, right? Because the reality is all the things in our life will come at us and then we forget the things that are important. But if we say, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. Well, I don't know, but what if I, I won't get my Seahawks update on talk radio and who cares? What's a, is that a priority? Let me ask you this. Is that more important than prioritizing being a godly leader in your marriage? Because you got to get there somehow. And so you set these priorities in your life. You decide this is what's most important. And I actually have to do this in my life. I actually have to do it a lot. And this week, I got to go first because I'm writing this message and the Lord's saying, Brad, reset some priorities. And I look at the menu of all the things I can choose from because there's a lot. And I can, I can just start ranking them from 1 to 10 or 100 or whatever it is. But it doesn't necessarily produce anything unless I go back to saying, God, who have you called me to be? What's your will for my life? God, how can I get there? Uh, what, what can I be striving for? What, what is it that I can, can do to try to get to this place that you've called me to be? Oh, okay, I got that now. Now, Lord God, give me that list back. Oh yeah, this is going to result in what it is that I want to be. Right? Otherwise, I just live a life of check boxes and try to get through the list of things and relieve my stress. Well, guess what? Next week there'll be the stress will come right back. So what's important? This is, as I said, highly practical, but highly spiritual. You do this, your boss does this for you. I want you to be a better employee. These are my priorities for you this year. I believe God would have us today 
lay down our aimlessness. That he would have us lay down that tyranny of the urgent. That he would have us lay down this, this idea that we just try to survive this life. I'm so tired of living in a world where it's just like, if I could just survive. I don't just want to survive until the pandemic's over. I want to thrive now. I want to walk out what God has for my life today and say, God, you order my life. God, you determine my steps. So I want to ask you this week if you would do that. And this morning, if you want prayer, if you're in a place where you're like, okay, I got to start from all the way at square one. And you want someone to pray with you, we'd love to pray with you. And just ask God to direct you and establish your steps. I've got some application in your notes. I've got some application. If you're using the Abundant Life Ordering app, there's some real practical things to sit down this week and to do. And like I said, if you're married, maybe you want to do some of this together. But really, I I challenge you this week to get with the Lord and to really start having a life that, man, when you look back a month from now, I hope you look back and say, man, my life has never been more productive, never more joy-filled, never never more, um, I want to say stress-free, but (laughs) stress-reduced. As long as you're alive, there's going to be stress. It's just a reality. But yeah, we can be living it and saying, God, I am living intentionally my life. Amen. Would you stand? I want to pray for you this morning as we close. Lord, Lord, we just give you our life. Church, if you're in that place right now where you're just like, God, I need you to order my steps. I need you to, I need you to help me with priorities in life. Would you just would you just give him what you have, whether that's you want to just imagine having it in your hand and just handing it off to him right now? just to put your hands out in front of you and say, okay, God, here it is. You can have it. Lord, I want you to help me make sense of this, Lord. I just feel like I'm aimless some days. Lord, would you come and would you, would you show us, Lord God, vision for our life, Lord? Would you help us establish goals for our life, Lord? Would you determine priorities? God, we come before you today, God, as Christians, and we want to be effective, Lord God. We want to be a people when the world looks at it, at us, Lord God, when they look at the church, they say, man, why are they thriving? Why is everything more productive? Why are they so happy? Why do they have joy? Why does it seem like they're having fun in life? Why does it seem like they're going somewhere? Why is it that what they say they want out of life, they actually live that way? Why is it that they are who they say that they are in their actions as well as their words? Lord, because we've just established our priorities. And so we give them to you today and say, God, you can have it. Just lay down our worry today, God. We lay down our anxiety. We lay down our stress. We lay down our busyness. We lay down our wandering and our aimlessness, Lord. And we ask God, God, you are a God of order. And so God, I would ask for our lives, God, would you come and would you help us order our life? So that God, that we can more effectively live for you, a life that gives you glory. Come and do this work in us today, Lord God, as we reset our priorities, God. We love you and we follow you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.